0: Please pray with me as I ask God for help as we learn from his word tonight. God, almighty Father, help us tonight to concentrate as we learn from your word. Please remove distractions from around us so we may focus on you. May your Holy Spirit work powerfully through your word. And please help me to speak your word with clarity and conviction. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jess and I have been making our way through the Marvel movie series in chronological order. We don't get around to watching the movies very often, so it has been taking us a little while. But when we do get around to watching them, every time we are assured of one thing. We will be taken on an adventure. The adventure will be exciting, mixed with tension, success... Humour and heroism, which is often accompanied by challenges, setbacks or defeat. The story is so engaging and captures our attention to the point we often forget how pivotal the director's role is in producing such entertainment. They are responsible for crafting the storyline, keeping the audience engaged by carefully using all sorts of cinematic techniques, but also staying true to Stan Lee's storyline to a certain extent. Other than Stan Lee's guest appearance in each movie, it's amazingly easy to become enthralled by the storyline and forget the director and comic author completely. Very similar to these movies is the kind of journey Paul continues to take us on in the Book of Acts. So often, uh, so far, we've seen the unstoppable gospel succeed through the face of persecution. Paul has been on his first mission journey with great success and now we see Paul and his partners in the gospel, Silas and Timothy, embark on their second journey as they attempt to evangelise the neighbouring areas. The account is engaging and fast-paced, but unlike the Marvel series in Acts, the story reveals the identity of the author through the narrative and demonstrates God's control over his story. Even though God is in control, Paul doesn't always experience smooth sailing. In chapter 14, Paul was stoned and they thought he was dead. Suffering for the gospel proves to be a common theme throughout Paul's ministry, as you can see also in his New Testament letters. Although filled with ups and downs, we can take comfort as the story is always in control of the director, God who knows the trajectory of his will, even when it doesn't seem to make sense. God's story doesn't just keep us entertained for a couple of hours like the Marvel series, but God's story, as we see it develop tonight, continues to transform individuals' lives forever. It changed the ancient world, as we will see in Lydia's life, and it continues to change our world today. We will see how God is sovereign over where the gospel message goes in verses 6 to 10 and how God is sovereign over when the gospel bears fruit in verses 11 to 15. Starting with point one. God determines where the gospel is preached. Starting at chapter 16, verse 6, Paul and his companions, that is, Silas and Timothy travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, I'm a bit of a visual learner, so seeing things on a map helps me um, to learn where they're travelling. Paul commences his second journey by visiting the churches that they've established on their first missionary journey. They make their way through Galatia and Phrygia, presumably strengthening and encouraging the new believers. As they look to the neighbouring regions to the north and east, they see fertile ground for the gospel to be preached. It seems like a very good and godly plan these missionaries had, but they are kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. The reason for this prohibition of preaching is not given, and how the Holy Spirit made it known to them is not mentioned either. But... What is clear is that God is working through his spirit, and in this case, he closes the door that leads east into Asia. Paul and his companions accept the spirit's intervention and proceed further to the north. Verse 7 continues, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now it is take two, and they still have no success in entering the region to the north. So they travel west to, um, to the coastal town of Troas. Notice here that Luke changes from saying the Holy Spirit, which he says in verse 6, and writes the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. This pointer reminds us that the risen Jesus is active in the spread of the word. Although Jesus is no longer physically present with his apostles, he is powerfully present spiritually as he continues to direct the good news of his death and resurrection. At this point in, his, in their journey, I could imagine they're feeling perplexed as their plans have been frustrated and they wonder where to go next. I want to pause here as I'm sure many of us have experienced this kind of setback before. So often we make plans, maybe ministry plans, that seem very godly and wise. At the time, it might even seem like the only option available to us, but then it doesn't work out. We experience this in disappointments like not getting the job, or our evangelistic efforts bearing no fruit, a friendship breaking down, when we fail to muster the courage to speak about our faith, or... Having to endure another long six weeks of pandemic lockdown. We're left disappointed, possibly wondering what to do next. What do you do in these circumstances? Let's continue to follow Paul and see where he turns in circumstances like these and how his journey finds new direction and clarity amidst these setbacks. Verse nine. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." After Paul had seen the vision, we got up, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, here it is in Paul's story, a neat conclusion to his dilemma. But what about our circumstances? We'll come back to that shortly. God knows when it is just the right time to give direction to his people. I could be tempted to say, third time lucky, as Paul finds direction from the vision, but that would be getting it completely wrong. It is not luck, but God himself who gives this clear direction. God is making the course for his missionaries very clear, impeding their plans at two turns, but now revealing his plan to them in his timing. At this point, Luke changes the narrative slightly as he shifts from using third person to first person. In verse 8, he says, They passed by Messiah. But now, in verse 10, he says, We got ready. Luke has presumably joined the missionaries for this part of their journey giving us some first-hand detail of the following narrative as they evangelize Philippi. As is often seen in the Acts narrative, Luke neglects to include some of the finer details and jumps straight into the action. We don't know what process they used to come to the conclusion that God had called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia, but we can suppose that Paul had shared the vision he had in the night with the group. They had considered it, no doubt reflecting on the lack of success that they had had so far and mutually concluding that without a doubt God was directing them to take the gospel to Macedonia. And godly men they are, they don't grumble at God saying, why didn't you just give us the vision when we were at Phrygia? No, they pack their things and at once leave for Macedonia. But where does that leave us? We have experienced a setback, we might be discouraged and not sure where to go. Unlike Paul, we haven't received a vision. We're out of ideas and can't see any ministry opportunities. What can we do? As we think about this, I'll tell you some of my story, about some of the closed doors I've encountered in sharing the gospel. When I finished high school, I studied aviation and got my pilot license. I wanted to join Mission Aviation Fellowship as a mission pilot and use this God-given skill for the kingdom in a cross-cultural setting. I made my way through the math application, did my medical examinations, studied at Bible college. I slowly ticked off all the requirements to be sent out onto the mission field. But now, years later, I'm still here. In fact, God had other plans for me. What did I do? And how did God redirect my desire to share the gospel? I didn't receive a vision from God telling me what to do next. I had to spend some time and consider my options and take up opportunities to talk to other Christians about my plans. I continued serving at church, testing my gifts and abilities, looking for opportunities that God was placing in front of me. Through continued trust in God during everyday life, God brought me on the slow journey of understanding a little more about what his plan is for me. I had invested heavily in completing my pilot training. I had participated in countless interviews and tests and had been having conversations with family and friends talking about what the future would look like, and the support that I would need to raise. Years of preparation for what? In times like these, we need to take stock. It is always good to reflect on what God is doing in your life and where he might be urging you to take action. It's easy to lose your direction and feel like everything is falling apart. Times like these are challenging. I had to accept the plans that I had diligently planned out, which seemed so logical and godly weren't the future God had planned out. As I seek to understand God's will and discern his leading into local ministry, I learnt that I need to always rely on him. Earlier, we considered how Paul was given clear direction from God, but we're still sometimes left at a hopeless dead end, unsure where to go. Even though Paul was shown where to go next, he didn't know what God had planned for the rest of his ministry. But Paul had peace as he relied on God and knew that he is in control. It is in circumstances like these, amidst ministry failure or disappointment, we can find great comfort if we trust in God. We can look our challenges head on and with confidence know that God is in control. We can rest in the knowledge that God will use us in his plan because he is in charge of where the gospel is taken. Say to yourself, I will not let these uncertain circumstances or this lack of direction cause me to forget that my Lord and God is the creator and sustainer of all things. Pray that God will give you strength to rely on him and on his plans for the gospel. Know he has a good and perfect plan, even when the journey may be exhausting and painful. God is faithful and cares greatly for his children. Paul trusted God to provide direction as they sought to preach the gospel and so we must trust God as we feature in his redeeming story. God reigns sovereign over all things and works out his perfect will in and through us. Proverbs 19, chapter, uh, 19 verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Now Paul has received clear direction from God. He can get on with the evangelistic work that he has been sent out to do, but what makes his efforts fruitful? Let's now look at verses 11 to 15 in point 2. God determines where, when the gospel bears fruit. God doesn't only direct his missionaries, he's active in producing gospel fruit. Paul knows for sure where God is leading them, so they head across the Aegean Sea to Neapolis, where they go on foot to Philippi. Verse 11 says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Semothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi a Roman colony and leading city of of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. I must point out the significance of Paul crossing the Aegean Sea and preaching the word in Macedonia. God's plan, plan, as he reveals it to Paul, takes the gospel from Asia into modern-day Europe, from which it then goes out into the rest of the world, But Paul knows little of the significance, and as we we find him going about his normal ministry methods, he heads straight to one of the main cities. Philippi was not far from the coast, situated on the ancient Via Ignatia. It's one of the main roads that travels east-west through Macedonia and the neighbouring lands. You could compare it to the Hume Highway or the Bruce Highway in Australia. It weaves along the skirt of the land, developing and sustaining towns that thrive from the flow-through traffic. Philippi would have seen many travellers and merchants passing through, and that is quite possibly why we find Lydia there. Read with me from verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of them listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. Usually, Paul would go straight to the synagogue on the Sabbath. In Acts thirteen fourteen, on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down in chapter 17 verse 2 as was his custom Paul went into the synagogue and in 198 Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for 3 months but why don't we see this here Luke has pointed out that it is a Roman colony and it likely had very few Jewish residents to have a synagogue in a town there must be a congregation and the requirement for this is a minion, a minimum of 10 adult Jewish men. It's quite likely there wasn't enough men in the city, so Paul finds their place of meeting, which is quite separate from the city, outside the wall and beside the river. Here they find a Jewish place of prayer where the women are gathered, and this is where they preach the gospel. Here, we introduced to Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She had become a successful businesswoman as the colour purple had strong associations with royalty, power and wealth. Lydia is also a worshipper of God, presumably a Gentile practising the Jewish faith, and she listens to what Paul has to say. As she listens to the good news, Luke makes particular note of how she responds and what generates such a response. It wasn't due to Paul's persuasive words, neither due to his eager desire for her to receive salvation. Luke says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. It is God alone who determines when people's hearts are softened and ears opened to the saving news of Jesus. So many of our growth groups have just finished the Empowered Evangelism course about a month ago. We were encouraged that inadequacy is key to evangelising. But we can easily fall into the habit of comparing ourselves, maybe seeing a confident Christian around us and think that our efforts are just not good enough. Maybe you feel you don't have all of the answers What God is showing us from this story is that when we faithfully share the gospel, the power and ability to produce a response rests on him alone. We must faithfully share the good news, but it is God who produces the fruit of faith. Sharing the gospel and doing life with people is essential and a key way God brings about salvation in lives. But even in my own story... When God opened my eyes, it happened in his perfect timing. God worked through my parents who faithfully taught me the Bible and prayed with me as a child. They displayed Christian faithfulness in everyday life and encouraged me to come to church each week. I'm sure they too would often pray that God would one day call me into his family. But no matter how much they pray or how perfect their Christian example might be, only according to God's gracious and perfect will did I one day respond to his message that brings salvation. But don't let this discourage you from ministering to the people you see, as it is by God's grace we ourselves have been saved. We might be tempted to think salvation is up to us, but God is in control of salvation. So, while in lockdown, make the most of those passing conversations with a neighbour over the fence. Whether you're working or studying, speak to your colleagues and friends of the hope Jesus gives you in these uncertain times. Keep in touch or catch up online with those who are living alone or might be just, just struggling. Know that when this message of hope bears fruit, lives are changed. Looking at the passage again in verse 15, when she, that is Lydia, and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Lydia's heart is changed. With her newfound salvation, she opens her home, sharing of her wealth by practising hospitality and inviting the missionaries in. They also return to her house to meet with other believers when they're released from prison. This sees the establishment of the church in Philippi, which meets in Lydia's house, and Paul later writes to this church in his letter to the Philippians. We see in tonight's passage how God is faithfully at work through his word. So how will you respond? What do you need to change? If you're a Christian, are you sharing what you have freely received and getting the good news of Jesus out? Are you trusting God who is sovereign to produce fruit in his timing and according to his will? Take comfort in the knowledge that it is not your skill or gifts that produces believers, but God working through you according to his will. In Isaiah 55, 8-11, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You haven't yet made a commitment to follow Jesus. Seek to know him. Read the gospel that Lydia hears from Paul and see how it changes everything, even today. See why Jesus is worth trusting and how Lydia found confidence that she is accepted through Jesus' death for her sins. Investigate the many promises Jesus makes, like life uh, like eternal life. Maybe you're not sure if you fit the bill or if you're good enough. Well, God doesn't look for the fine examples, those who have it all together. He saves people from all walks of life. In Acts 10, Cornelius, a God-fearing Roman centurion, came to faith in Jesus. Tonight we've seen how Lydia, a Gentile dealer in purple linen, came to believe in Jesus. And in the rest of chapter 16, we will also see how a Philippian jailer tends to the wounds of his prisoners when he comes to trust in the Lord Jesus. God offers salvation to all sinners. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 10, 9 to 13, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't it amazing knowing that God is active in the gospel in the time of Paul in just the same way that he is active to this day and forever? His story that we have looked at tonight doesn't just distract and entertain us for a few hours like a movie, but It changes lives forever. God isn't like Stan Lee, who makes a momentary appearance in his own comic story, but in the end passes on in history to be forgotten. God actively works in the lives of his people and cares greatly. Although occasionally um, we experience times it feels like God has forgotten us or doesn't care, we can rest assured of his promises and sovereignty. When we're hit where it hurts by a global, global pandemic, we can watch on in fear and despair and maybe do some panic buying or we can remember how God is supreme over all things. He will bring glory to himself through the circumstances and never stop caring for each of his own. When, we are fa- when we're forced to stay at home and can't go out and see our family or to read the Bible with our non believing friends, should we give up on sharing the gospel? No. Even as motivation from the empowered course may quickly be fading as we're stuck at home, we must remind and encourage each other that God will bear fruit through His Word. Be prepared when restrictions are lifted, but in the meantime, make the most of every opportunity and remember that God is faithful. And active. I'll pray to close. Mighty God, you are sovereign over all things. You have the power to conquer death and the power to grant salvation. Comfort us when we experience challenging times that seem endless like this pandemic. Please continue to work through us to reach lost people in our lives. Help us to rely on your grace and not our own efforts or abilities to produce gospel fruit. Thank you for being gracious and merciful. Amen.